everyone. I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. And you're listening to It Just Got Real. So Han, one of the things we're always talking about in real is stress. And word on the street is, (laughs) you've been having some. (laughs) Yeah, you too, girl. I mean, being a founder is stressful. It's in the job description. Yep. It's basically my middle name. So I had this moment this weekend where I was having lunch with a friend and we were having like a safe, socially distanced outdoor lunch, you know, just so y'all know. And she said to me, she's like, so how have you been? And I found myself saying, you know, 2020 has been relentlessly challenging, but I think I'm doing a really good job of managing my stress. Mm, Mature. And as soon as I said that, it just made me realize that like past version of me wouldn't have responded that way. Like a past version of me would have said, oh my God, I'm so stressed. It's been crazy. Or I'm so busy. Like I'm so busy. And by not responding in that way, two things happened. One, it's less of like a block for people to ask about it again. Cause like, yeah. come on, like who wants to ask your friend, how are you doing? If their response is always like, oh, I'm so stressed out. You yeah. know, A, that's boring. Mm-hmm. B, it kind of drives people away. Cause it's like, oh, well, if you're so busy, then maybe you don't have time mm-hmm. for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that it did, which was more internal, was that by saying that out loud, I'm rewriting my own story that I'm like playing the tape that's playing in my brain instead of saying, ah, I'm so stressed out. I'm saying I'm doing a good job of managing my stress. And I just felt like so much more confident and on top of my life and actually less stressed out. That's like yeah. the really important part. It's interesting too. And I wonder, because even hearing the story and when you were telling it, you didn't sound stressed. And I know you've been stressed. And I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what I hear in that response is like some level of acceptance. Mm. Like this is a part of your life. And sort of in acceptance, it moves from like this thing you're carrying around to like a thing you're actively managing and doing something with that's not like this baggage, so to speak, which is I think when you say like, I'm really stressed out, it just feels like this thing hanging around that's dragging you down. And I think even when we verbalize it, Mm -hmm. it does that. It feels like this albatross. Yeah, I think there's part of it is like an acceptance and part of it is a desire to get to the next level. Because also I realized in this really stressful time that we've all been going through in 2020, Mm -hmm. if you're an ambitious person or even if you're just trying to get to a goal, there's a really good chance that with reaching for that goal, you're going to be busier. Mm -hmm. That is just the truth, Mm -hmm. right? Like whether you're becoming a parent, whether you're starting a company, whether you're doing a side project, you are just going to be busier. So if you're ambitious or if you want things in life, that's never going to go away. And I think it was this realization that I've always been an ambitious person. I've always been busy. I've always answered that question with like, ah, I'm so busy. And I'm sure my friends listening to this cast that have known me for like 10 years, they're just laughing to themselves because like, this is me. So it's like, okay, well, either I keep running around saying I'm stressed out and I've been so busy, or I could just accept it and also choose to figure out how to like get it to the next level of management. And like, I think I'm pretty good at time management already. I'm a very disciplined person from the beginning. You are. But like quarantine has just taught me like a whole new like level of mm. discipline. I've had like a discipline breakthrough. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like in the clouds. 
You're like, up here, this extra next level of discipline. Yeah, like (laughs) discipline or creative discipline, any creative act and routine and how we create within those structures that we give ourselves. It's a little bit like self-awareness where like there's always another layer that we can peel off, you know, layer of film that you can kind of pull back and see more clearly. And as we as we get older and as we learn more about ourselves, the discipline can become more and more. And that's why like people like Twyla Tharp, who I absolutely love, who wrote the book, The Creative Habit. And um, she's a dancer and she talks about this like insanely disciplined schedule that she has of like getting up at like the crack of dawn in New York City and getting in a yellow cab to go to the studio to work out before even doing her dance rehearsal. She was like in her in her 60s or 70s when she wrote that book. And um, it takes a life that long and that much creative output to be able to get to a point of discipline. I think that is that structured. That is a lot of what quarantine has been teaching me. Like during quarantine, I've had to double down on my routine. And I think that's really important because right now I hear a lot of people saying like, what is time? (laughs) And I think that's (laughs) dangerous. It is. Because for me anyway, like when I lose my routine, I lose my creative output. Like living in a super chaotic way where I'm like sleeping at different times or working at different times for me doesn't help. It's very tempting to go down that path. And I've lived in these super chaotic ways in the past. But I know that routine is actually what gives me the best creative output because routine offers consistency and it's consistency that like relentless showing up at your writing, at your drawing, at your design, at whatever it is that you do day in and day out, whether you feel like it or you don't is what actually creates good work because it's so easy to just be like, oh, I don't feel like it today. So for me, that kind of routine and discipline is really important and I've been learning how to be a morning person, which is crazy. And this is coming from somebody who like, I am not a morning person. Like, I hate mornings. Like, don't talk to me before two cups of coffee. Like, I don't want to see you. I'm like the world's biggest monster until I, like, I'm not a morning person. But living on the West Coast, I've had to kind of acclimatize because like my days usually start at 7.30 or 8. I'm like at my desk because that's just how it is when the East Coast is already online or Europe is already online. So I've had to learn to get up really early in the morning at like 5, 5.30. Um, and I've also had to learn how to be really disciplined to go to bed on time. I've had to learn to be really disciplined to also handle both designing for my company as well as like fundraising for my company right now. Like handling yeah. those two things at the same time takes a lot of effort. And I've yeah. learned I can't do operational stuff easily the same day that I do design work. Because for me, operations, it just like taps. Like my creativity, it's just like sucks it out of me like a sponge. It's the worst. So I block off specific days each week for design because I need that structured but unstructured time. Like I need to know that I've got a solid block of six hours to design without interruption. And that's what allows me to get into the creative flow and actually make things. Whereas like trying to do it in a snatch of like 30 minutes, like I can because I'm a professional and I know how to like turn on my creative tap. But is it my best work that way? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Like there's a difference. And I also try to divide up design tasks too between what my friend Robert coined deep design and the sort of more like surface level, like incremental design polish stuff. So before you go more down here, I have questions about like way, way back. So, you know, this idea of saying I'm stressed versus I'm managing stress well. Mm -hmm. It makes me think about how we use words to define ourselves. So like if you've been saying I'm stressed out, 
for 10 years to the people around you. Yeah. Like, what have you been saying to yourself about yourself? I think there's something really specific. Exactly. In that, I do the same thing with like hectic or, Mm -hmm. you know, just all over the place. So many things going on to the point where like I adopted this as like Mm -hmm. who I am and those around me. Yeah. It's like it becomes written and it becomes codified in who you are when you say it to yourself over and over again. Right. And I also think the other side of it is particularly as ambitious women, there's also something societal about phrasing the fact that you are pushing yourself to the limits every day and you are aggressively attacking the thing and you are sitting with the fact that time is not infinite. Mm -hmm. You are working at a self-determined pace towards something that you are creating a timeline for Mm-hmm. And so that is creating pressure. For sure. And that's like, that's something I also say to people is when they're like, whoa, that sounds crazy or that sounds so hard. I'm like, yeah, but I can't really complain about my job because I did this right. to myself. Like I chose it. <laughs> like I chose Every day this I wake up and myself. do what I want to do. <laughs> Every day I wake up and choose this hard shit. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a human being and like I want to be able to relate to people and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. let them know when... It's actually kind of like it's getting to be a lot. I think in the past I handled it in two ways. One, I was like, oh, everything's fine. Like, you know, startup life is crazy, but I'm fine, which Mm -hmm. is like a lie. Mm -hmm. I'm not fine. And it just creates this like weird distance with people where you can't really have intimacy. Yeah. It also puts up this front, which I hate, which is like women having to be super women all the time and like juggling all the balls and doing all the things perfectly. And like, fuck that. We're humans, too. Or the other way of doing it is, like, being that, like, oh, it's hectic. Like, it's all so much. And, like, it's actually really hard to drive down the middle of those two things and find an answer that is genuine, where you can connect with people over it and they actually know how you're feeling. Yeah. But without sounding, like, complainy or, like, annoying or, like, saying something to yourself that then becomes what plays in the tape cassette in your brain. Because that's another thing I think about a lot. Even just like with meditation or saying a mantra or like limiting beliefs, like we can change these things by like re-recording over what the tape player is already playing. But that requires conscious effort. Like every time I think, oh, I feel so hectic, it's like, stop, rephrase that for myself. I'm actually managing this chaos really well. And it's the same principle as like limiting beliefs about money or body image, for example. I think something I've been trying to do lately is be specific. Mm. I think in a world where you're constantly telling a story, which I think as any kind of business leader, founder, whatever, like you're constantly in the need to like paint the arc for somebody. Yeah. And so what I've found to be really helpful and to get me out of the like hectic sort of response. A perfect example was like a friend of mine texts me for a connection to this artist that had done some stuff for tastemakers. And I saw the text, but I was like in transit or whatever. And then I forgot to get back to it. So he texted me today and he was like, hey, did you get my text? And so, of course, I felt like attacked, like shit again, drop the ball. Mm -hmm. And then I almost responded you know, things are so hectic and like going down this rabbit hole of like stress and hecticness. Mm -hmm. And instead I decided I just can be super specific and not make this a part of a narrative. Mm -hmm. I just wrote back, yo, I was totally moving around when I saw your test and I forgot. My bad. Here's the link. Yeah. Somehow not 
answering it in this like macro assessment of life was like really freeing for me. And it made me feel less bad about it. That reminds me of the time that I started answering emails that I was slow on instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't get this to you. Things have been crazy. Like I never do that anymore. I'm always like following up more slowly than usual because this wasn't a priority or like because I was doing other things and like not apologizing for it. Yeah, It's okay to follow up more slowly than usual because you had other priorities. Like that's literally actually, that is what you should be doing as a founder. Yeah, If you got back to everybody's emails every day, you'd never get anything done. Nothing (laughs) would be done. Nothing. (laughs) So then I love that you went into the detail around like discipline. Mm. I have an opposite thing going on and not just for me, but also for my son. And so one of my big tasks, especially this decision to keep him home this semester because of the Rona, I know that we are not going to be successful in our mom-son life without discipline. But at the same time, because of how I grew up, my survival skill was learning how to deal in chaos. Mm, mm-hmm. Like I was constantly moving. There was mm-hmm. constantly like conflict in my house. And it was just crazy, yeah. you know, for large periods of my life, there was Mm -hmm. just unrest. And so my coping mechanism was like to be able to perform in any situation. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a kid, like school was my outlet. So like I knew very clearly, like, yes, I was like naturally smart or whatever, but that extra motivation came from knowing like school was my way out of this situation. Mm -hmm. And so I got really, really good at operating in chaos. Yeah. And so what's interesting now is like, I find that I'm having to walk a careful line as I work towards discipline. Mm -hmm. The reason being is that it's bringing up feelings of shame Mm. and um, I'm needing to dig deep to give myself grace. Yeah. Around discipline. And even when I hear other people talk about being disciplined, I feel like a shame flood. Like, <laughs> no. and so it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Shame and guilt are the two most useless emotions. Yeah. They literally do nothing to move anything forward in our life. They just like stop us in our tracks. I'm really happy that you shared that, Sheree. And thank you for getting personal because I actually really relate to that. So I grew up in a family that was this weird mix of both like complete and total chaos, but also like intense discipline in batches. So I'm a classically trained cellist. I had to get up every morning before school and practice before I was even allowed to leave the house to go to school. And we're talking like scales and like Bach cello suites. Like it was really heavy stuff. And then as I got older and became more advanced in cello, I was practicing like three to four hours a day in college around my studies. So cello taught me a ton of discipline for like the importance of practice, the importance of like consistency, the importance of how much you need to practice before you get on stage, like how you have to practice like 200% before you perform because 100% just isn't good enough and like learning that the hard way. But on the other hand, I have five younger sisters Both my parents were working, (laughs) like our house was like a total zoo all the time. So it was just like complete and total chaos. Like I never knew who was wearing my clothes, where my laundry was, who was in my room, like if I could get a ride somewhere, you know, it was just like a constant sort of like upheaval of that kind of um, level of chaos. Mm. And so in my 20s, a few things happened. One is I really rebelled and I wanted to 
live the life that I didn't get to have as a teenager, which invited a ton of chaos into my life. But number two, because I'd never operated in a calm fashion and I'd never seen that behavior modeled, I like overloaded my life with so much stuff so that I was like still operating on this like really tight timeline and like never had enough time Mm -hmm. to do things and was like, honestly, kind of like sabotaging my projects and my life because Mm -hmm. I would never really give them the space or the time or the calmness that they Mm -hmm. deserved because I'd just never seen that before. I totally get that. And so it wasn't really until like my mid thirties that I discovered, okay, if I want to get to that next level, I need to develop some kind of discipline and I need to do it my way. And I need to figure out what works best for me. And I need to design my life around that in a way that's helpful. Yeah. And it does require a lot of digging deep. And it still is hard because like there's a part of me like that inner child wants to rebel and be like, no, I don't want to do my homework. (laughs) I want to go to bed on time. I'm going to stay up and watch movies and eat popcorn, you know, but I also know that like that's not going to work on a Wednesday night. But as I've learned to do this, I've also learned to make sure that I keep that inner child happy, too. And I think that's the other side of it is like keeping the balance between my mischievous moments and and my my disciplined moments. I was listening to this podcast the other week with Margaret Atwood, whom I love. She's amazing. She was talking about how she handles discipline by calling herself by two names. She has like Margaret and Peggy. And like one of them is the (laughs) like does the laundry and the other one like gets crazy and like procrastinates. And (laughs) I loved this because I was like, that's actually kind of what I do to myself. Like Hannah is the name that I call myself seriously. Hannah's like what my professional work is, but like Mm. Han is what all my friends know me as. Mm, I like this. It actually kind of works to like remind yourself that you can have both that that I still have the messy, crazy, slightly chaotic, mischievous mm-hmm. side to myself because I don't want to like button that up and lose that. That's actually a huge part of my yeah. creativity. But figuring out how that can operate inside a structure that is responsible and like, you know, pays for taxes on time and stuff like that. Like that's actually the whole thing. Yep. Credit and finance was never something that I was like really taught. Mm-hmm. And so I've fumbled and stumbled and messed it up a whole bunch like most of my life until a few years ago. Part of the reason my credit was bad was because like my mom was like putting bills into my name when I was oh a my kid. God. So like I came into the game like a little behind, like <laughs> this is wild. But anyway, I took on like working on my credit and got like low-key obsessive about it. Mm. And seeing what financial discipline did Mm -hmm. to something that was seemingly so hard to like move because it's not instant you don't like no it takes time it takes like a couple years or at least a year anything rooted around discipline it's so much more about consistency than it is about like getting it perfect and this is actually what i wanted to say earlier when you're like oh i feel this wave of shame when i hear about people talking about their discipline it's like yeah it's not about getting it perfect or having like the perfect workout or eating great or like i don't know reading or whatever it's actually just about consistency like showing up every single day or every week or whatever it is until it becomes habit and then once it becomes habit then it's easy and you don't think about it anymore yeah for sure for those of us who are not yet hannah level status there's hope for us yet. Come on. I still mess this up all the time. And it took me until being like 38 to figure out mornings. Mornings have always been like my Achilles heel. And I think I wasn't really able to 
truly conquer them or get like curious about them. And that's the other thing with discipline. I try to get curious about things instead of being like, oh, I should do blah, blah, blah. Because like telling myself I should do something, that never works. The like rebellious spirit in me is like, fuck you. Nope, not (laughs) doing that, girl. Exactly. (laughs) But if I can like, if I can encourage myself with like, if you do X, you can have Y. Like if you have Y, imagine how great that will feel. Why don't you try it for a while, Hannah? Then I can like kind of like convince myself to do something. I was listening to the radio, which I'm going to talk more about in a sec. And there was this show on BBC Radio 6 that was an interview with Devanda Benhart. And he talked about finding freedom in discipline. And that just totally resonated with me because it's true. What you're talking about with your credit or what I'm talking about with like sleep schedule, you can really find this like immense freedom if you stick to the discipline. And there is like a reward at the other end often. I think we should move on to our record scratch moment because I know that you got a couple of things to talk about. Oh, God. I mean, I live in New York at the moment. This is my current place of residence. The thing for me that was a record scratch was really New York State opening schools. Like, I just... Oh, my God, right? I mean, the New York Times has, like, kids are getting the Rona. Yeah, that was on the front page today. That like, oh, actually, here's all these kids that tested positive. Like, what? You didn't think that was possible two months ago. We still don't know so much about this disease. And you want to reopen schools? Exactly. And every school that has reopened has had some shit go down. Yeah. So I'm just like, why are we doing this again? I mean, okay, one thing I've been confronting in my analysis and response to COVID and policy is that I am probably in the minority because it's like the truth is Hmm. probably 80% of students, most of their parents cannot just be like at home chilling with them, you know, scheduling their meetings around homework. Like that is not the case for most people. And so as much as I'm annoyed by the school thing and I think it's not safe, I have a strong hunch that this is definitely about people and life and like. Yeah. And like families that may not have the ability to offer like e-learning stuff at home. Like what if you don't have a high speed internet connection? Like what if you don't have a good computer for your kid to use like 24 seven? I mean, there's so many problems that come out of it. Jasmine Crow, who is another precursor founder. She's shout out to Jasmine. She runs this company called Gooder. And she tweeted something that really spoke to some of this sentiment that I have. She said that um, one of the children of Gooder does like eliminates waste by providing, like giving that waste food to like families in need. I guess it's the best way to describe it. Sorry if I'm botching the pitch, Jasmine. But essentially one of the kids was like, she asked like, are you excited about continuing with virtual school? And his response was like, no, because I don't want anyone to see my house is ugly. Mm. And that was just like, even at work, like you're doing your virtual background. And Mm -hmm. like, we don't think about like how class plays out in like simple ways. Mm -hmm. Like, what if he doesn't have a space to sit and be on that Zoom and feel comfortable? Like, I can't imagine the fear I would have had as a kid needing to do a Zoom in my house, knowing that like at any second a roach could climb across the wall. Yeah. That would have literally been anxiety inducing for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Like I'm even in my shock, like it is a record scratch because I'm like, we're not ready for this. Mm -hmm. I have to keep tempering it with like, 
these people making these decisions are making decisions for everyone. Yeah. Not for my privileged ass. Yeah. And I also think it so much about how many kids really rely on meals at school, too. Like, there's so much that school mm. offers that isn't school just was school. was my escape. I would have lost my entire shit if I was out of school for this long. But at the same time, this is, like, really dangerous. It is. I see both sides of it. It's a really complicated I wouldn't want to be a lawmaker situation. right now, to be honest. I wouldn't want to be a mayor. I wouldn't want to... Because how the hell do you do that? Like, how do you... Where do you choose? Where do you? And I think what's going to happen is a lot of this is going to come down to class. Mm -hmm. For me, the decision is put on your big girl panties and figure out how to educate your son. Yeah. And not put your family or him in danger. Mm -hmm. I think there are going to be a lot of families that don't get to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the hard part of this whole entire thing. A public health crisis just has shown its light on like, I mean, in America, it's race and class, and a lot of other places, it's class and a lot of other stuff. It's it's um, it's really shone a light on all the corners of America where people are not taken care of by the system. Yep, and all the people left to just flounder out. To be mm -hmm. honest, to deal, yeah, yeah, that's my less than fun sort of record sketch. But I do have a good one. Yeah, share your good one. So I've been struggling with like how to get content creators on tastemakers mm -hmm. quickly, but of high quality. Part of it is because at the end of the day, I'm a biologist who now runs a consumer company and I have never worked in like a business environment. So even when I was nine to fiving, I was still very much in like this international NGO sort of system where like, I couldn't tell you what makes up a creative team. Like I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so I had this epiphany Related to my friend Aza, so shout out to Aza if you're listening, to like begin putting out like a kind of like an RFP for like creative programming, whether it's video series on IG Live, like whatever. And so I started making an Instagram folder for creatives that I wanted to reach out to to submit. And I was in some random Instagram deep dive and came across this page of this guy in Ghana that I've actually seen so many times. We've been in the same room so many times over like oh, cool. the past four years. That's such a small world. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, how did I wind up here on this rabbit hole? Which was really fun. And so I'm like seeing all this work and this writing and these IG conversations he's been having. And I like am obsessed with it. And like, he doesn't have like a lot of followers, but the content he was putting out was crazy good. And I was like, this is the kind of stuff we need on a thread. This is the kind of stuff we need, you know, all these different places. So I reached out to him and I'm like, hey, I really love, you know, this article that you wrote. I really love this, this, this. He's like, thank you so much. How are you? And I'm like, oh my God, it's crazy. Like, I have not, how am I just finding your Instagram? Like, after all these years. And he was like, I know we've been in the same spaces, blah, blah, blah. And so then I started like jumping right into like, yeah, we're doing this thing or we want content creators to submit. And I'm like going into the thing. And he's like, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. First, how are you? I can imagine that like this time right now for you, both personally and professionally is like incredibly difficult. And I'm like, is he just saying wow, this? Wow, that's amazing. That's so rare to hear somebody say that. And then he got like even more, he was like, you just, you know, I know that you move a lot and you've got a lot of different things. And like, it was if I had been talking to him for five years without talking to him. Wow. 
I love it when people do that. It's so rare to meet people that lead with like, what do you need or how can I help you? Or like just leading with empathy as opposed to like, I want something from you. And also like with intention, like as the conversation went on, it was very clear to me that he was like, it was like a super specific and intentional way of engaging. And I felt like a human and not like an entity. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my other record scratch. I was really happy about that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that moment. And like hot tip for anybody out there listening who's like trying to get a job or land a gig, like showing up with that kind of empathy for the person that might be offering it to you is so amazing if you can do that. Did you have record scratch this week? I had kind of one. So mine's really, I don't know, this is like my spicy Twitter moment. So Ooh, spicy Twitter. I like yeah, spicy so, Twitter. Yeah, uh, so I, I subscribe to this newsletter from Julie Zhu, who's an amazing designer. She used to be the design director at Facebook, and she's written a really popular book on management, and I've been following her work for a long time. I think she's great. Uh, she sent a newsletter this weekend about creating a user manual for yourself. And I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I think this is so smart because in terms of having to write down like how you should interface with me, like I like emails this way, or like, I appreciate communication like that, or I don't respond well to this, or this totally ticks me off. Like those things to me are like, I want to know those things about the people that I work with because it just makes it so much easier for me to shortcut and get to them quicker. So I tweeted about it, but I also said, I did this once for my team. And they thought it was weird. And mm -hmm. this was actually, uh, I'll, I'll be honest about it. It's when I was uh, the general manager at Vine and my team at Vine thought it was weird. And so Julie tweeted back at me and she was like, oh, why did they think it was weird? And I was like, I think it's because it was just like a culture clash. Like, I don't think that that team had ever experienced that level of I dare say, vulnerability and honesty before. And so they were really weirded out by it. And they mm -hmm. thought it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what? I don't understand this. As a result of that, I never did it again because I got such bad feedback on that from my team that I was like, okay, I won't do that one again. But like, mm. honestly, I think it's really a smart idea. It's a relationship, right? Just like any relationship, yeah. like talking about what you like and what you don't like and what you're... It's like how now we all get everybody on the pattern app. Yeah. It's like trying to understand people, right? So anyway, Julie tweeted back at me and she was like, oh, well, you know why they think it weird? We had like a quick conversation. One of my other friends joined in and he was like, oh, I think this is so smart. I've done, you know, I've done this before too. And we were having like a cool conversation. But then of course, because it's Twitter, someone rolled in with a little bit of, with a little bit of, you know, the snark because this is what it's all about. And, and this person was like, yeah, you know, but if we're aware of this, isn't it better to change our own way of communicating? Which like, okay, you sort of have a point. Um, I think it's really on both parties, I said. You know, it's not about making one person bend to the other person's mm -hmm. way. This is like a two-way street. You know, I want this from my team as much as I want to be able to offer them this self-awareness. Right. But also, actually, in like a corporate structure, it is your job to learn how your boss communicates. It's not your boss's mm -hmm. job to learn how you communicate and always bend to your will because your boss probably has like, I don't know how many reports. So it's actually your job to figure out like how to talk to the CEO if you want to do that. Like, right. You know, so I was kind of like, eh, I was like, yeah, sort of whatever. But like, you know, I try to explain this reason with this person anyway. And they shoot back with, you know, like, I know you're good people. The reason I bring this up is that in different circumstances, that's just the way I am is used to cover up a lot of toxic behavior. And I'm sure this is true. And it's really unfortunate that this happens. But like, that's not what we were talking about here. <laughs> and so sometimes I think on Twitter, like, look at who's saying the thing before you wade in. 
Like, has this woman ever been afforded the privilege to do things however the fuck she wants? The answer is no. Big fat. Anyway, that was my spicy Twitter moment. I don't know. I want to start off our culture moment by giving a shout out to radio. So the reason that I love radio and especially why I love radio right now during COVID is it's like literally one of the few things that's keeping me sane because radio has programming, it has shows. It's like now for the six o'clock news and now we're going to have a break and do this thing. And it's like, it marks this passage of time in a way that is really hard, to, like, that I don't get from a Spotify, like, recommended playlist. It, like, it's giving mm-hmm. me some structure and also other human voices, too, and, like, a reminder mm-hmm. of the outside world. I love listening to, like, I've been really into this radio station that um my friend Greg recommended to me called Radio Nova. It's, like, the radio station from France, Le Grand Mix, and I've been listening to, I listen oh. to NTS a ton. Like, I'm a huge fan of NTS. I listen to Rinse all day long as well. I listen to radio from my hometown in Edmonton from my college radio station, CJSR. Shout out University of Alberta. Wow, really like, going I in listen there. to radio from London. I listen to radio stations from, like, all over the world. I, w- I went really deep on radio stations from Africa for a while. Like, it's a really cool way also to just feel like you can kind of travel in a time when you can't travel. I like this. And hear voices in a different language and, like, how people do things differently in different places. So I would say try out radio. And if you have a Sonos, it's easy because you can just like plug them all in there. If you don't, then there's like apps for these things too. Like the NTS app is actually really great. I'm a big fan of it. I like this. This actually just inspired me. We've had some interesting content creators ask us to do audio stuff. And it also makes me think like, how do we also direct people to like radio as a way of like input and learning? And I love how you compared it to travel. That was super dope. You want to talk about something they're not going to play on the radio? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have to talk about that song. I mean... They're going to play that song on the radio. They are, but it's going to be super Are they going to, like, cut out every second word? Because, like, how are they going to play that song on the radio? But, I mean, it's not all swear words. For those who don't know, we're definitely talking about WAP, like, because (laughs) how can you not talk about this? Um, (sighs) It's the best. Like... I love it. It's so over the top that it's so over the top. I mean, there's like a giant cat in every scene. There's like a tiger and a leopard and there's snakes. Well, okay. So one of my observations from the video that's kind of my favorite is that like female rappers aren't usually also dancing. This is a thing. Mm -hmm. If you think about like Little Kim and Foxy Brown, Mm -hmm. like they were very much like boppers, like in Mm -hmm. the New York style of like, you're not doing a whole dance unless you're Mm -hmm. like a cheerleader. But this was like whole, like, let's show you the splits, like doing all the things. And the rappers were doing choreography. Yeah. In the way that a girl R&B group would do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that for me was actually like pretty, and Meg Thee Stallion also already does this. Like, she dances, but Cardi B, not as much. And so to see them both together doing this routine with dancers was, like, super special for me in the video because... But Cardi can, because, I mean, she's got that whole past history as a dancer. Like, she can definitely do it. She busts out the moves sometimes. But stripping and choreography, not same. Not not completely the same, but there, as somebody who takes pole dance classes, I am somewhat (laughs) qualified to speak on this. I'm going to flex my pole dance class. Actually, there's a fair amount of choreography that goes into pole dance. (laughs) I was waiting for the pole dance to come into the pod. 
Oh my God, here we are. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the video. That video gave me so much life. No, it's everything. If it you was, haven't seen WAP yet, you really need to go go do this. Go educate yourself. Yes, educate for a cultural yourself. Moment. Yes, our, our culture. It is a cultural moment. It is a cultural moment. This is like women rappers coming into their own, being able to talk about the things we've never been able to talk about, doing it their own way. Like, this is a cultural moment. It is. It is. Also, speaking of like women rappers or rapper adjacent people, another sort of cultural moment I had this week, I did this IG Live with this Ghanaian rapper called One Love. Hey, One Love, you're freaking amazing. You should actually watch this IG Live because he scored some secondhand fucking phone that is for the ages. Like the sound effects that this phone makes and the phone has a built-in microphone that does like a Darth Vader voice changer. Oh my God, I love that. That's amazing. I'm going to try to shorten this IG Live video and send it to you. But anyway, so in my rabbit hole of like preparing for this IG Live interview... I saw that, you know, he had some shoot and the jewelry in the shoot was styled by someone called Lapili. So I go down that Instagram rabbit hole theme here. If you want to know what I do for my inspiration, it's Instagram rabbit holes. But anyway, I discover that the person who does the jewelry is actually this musician out of Madrid, Spain called Lapili. And she's doing, like, alternative reggaeton. What? Out of Spain. I love it. And, like, twerking to Afrobeat. And she has such a cool look. Like, her outfits are on fire. And she makes half the shit. That's amazing. And I have spent a lot of time in Spain, and I lived in Mexico. And when I tell you that, like, Spain is very much about, like, being white Spanish. Mm -hmm. Like, that is what it's about. And they definitely look down on... Caribbean Spanish and the colony, like, and so for her to be having this, like, bootylicious thickums image with these, like, Afrobeats tinged things, but in a way that doesn't feel like appropriation or, like, it doesn't feel, it just feels like this bitch is cool. And she just felt authentic. Yeah, that's what I thought when I looked and, at it. And, like, it just was legit. Mm-hmm. And even looking at the artists on the continent that she's worked with, I'm like, I rock with her. And her songs are fire. And the next time I DJ, I'm like totally sampling them. But I love her music. I would like literally go pay to see her in concert. She's just dope. Love it. So I was excited to like find her as an artist, but also like her music is really fun and like got a lot of interesting like blends in there that I'm totally incorporating into my set. I hope people are discovering great new music through this pod because we need more ways to discover music that's not just like our algorithmic feeds. True. I'm really big on that. Like if we just let the machine feed us, it's only going to feed us stuff that we already know and we'll never get outside of our own comfort zones. It's true. That's the message. Bookmark that. So we need to wrap up this cast because this has been a long one. It has. Some quick takeaways to bring you back to stress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Though, honestly, if you go listen to WAP, I think that will de-stress you. WAP will de-stress it all. First off, like a mindset shift, really going from like I'm stressed to I'm managing the stress well was like a really key thing in that moment that I had. Mm -hmm. Also, this thing about routine and consistency and how we can find freedom in discipline and freedom in our routines and that, like, 
what you said too, Sheree, like seeing what's on the other side of the discipline and the routine, that can really help us understand what the reason is for doing it. And I think Mm -hmm. as like a final thing that I would say around that one is if you're one of those people, well, we're all these people. If you're having this thought where you're like, oh, I should do this. Or like, I Mm -hmm. really want to get better at that. Or like, yeah, I've been meaning to do this thing forever, but I just, it's just, I can't, is like, don't aim for perfection. Aim for consistency. Yep. Even when you're doing something like managing your stress, showing up every day and dealing with it consistently. Some days are better than others. I'm not aiming for perfection, but through the consistency, it's getting easier. Well, so is this pod. It's true. When we started doing it, we were like garbage, but we just showed up every week and did it. We're so trash. Yeah, we've come a long way. Consistency. But thanks for sticking with us and listening. And and thank you to all the people that have said really nice things. I got a really cute message this week from one of my friends. And she put five stars in the message. She was like, five-star review would listen again to this pod. I had another friend who oh! followed this pod. I'm like really excited for all of you out there who are listening and think that we're doing a cool thing. So thank you for giving us your ear. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at GotRealPod, or you can talk to us because you probably know us. And if you like this pod, please leave us a review. We would love it. It really helps other people find what we're trying to share. Peace. (laughs) 